The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. I want to welcome all who are here today in the name of our resurrected Lord. Let's pray. God, for your word resurrected and alive today, we give you thanks. Give us ears to hear and hearts to follow and bodies to live out your word. And God, I pray for the gift of preaching in the name of Jesus, the resurrected one. Amen. Do you remember when you had to use a phone book? No. (laughs) What's a phone book? A lot of you over here aren't going to remember a lot of these things. Do you remember when, like, you had to look up an address to get somewhere and you had to look up a phone book? Or if you had to find a plumber, you used a phone book. Or you can find most people's names in the phone book, right? And then, probably, if you remember using a phone book. Do you remember when, when you had to dial out of the phone book, it was the rotary phone, and you had to wait for the nine to go all the way back around? It was the worst. You forgot the number. By the time the nine got back around, you totally forgotten the number. You got to look it up in the phone book again. Do you remember when you had to adjust the bunny ears on the TV so you could get a good picture? Do you remember cassette tapes? Do you guys remember recording the radio on cassette tapes? That was probably very illegal as like the first Napster. (laughs) And then I remember getting the first VCR. You remember VCR tapes? And I remember getting the VCR and I was so excited because in my mind I thought, this is great, we'll have tapes. On, the, on one side, side A, I'll record G.I. Joe and then flip it over. And on side B, I can record Transformers. I thought this was the best thing ever. Until I found out you can't record on both sides in a VCR tape. Don't ask me how I figured out you can't record on both sides. <laughs> Do you remember when we didn't have DVRs and you actually had to be in your living room and watch the show at the time? Do you remember a time when we didn't have Netflix? What did we do when we couldn't binge? On our favorite TV show. Do you remember when you used to take a road trip and you actually had a physical map? Do you remember the time we used to have to lick a stamp? Yeah, yeah. Here we go, kids, young people. Do you remember when Pokemon Go was the thing? (laughs) And all the adults were wondering why all the kids were walking around with their phones, you know. Do you remember when the newspaper was the place where we got all our news? 
Do you remember when you had a set of encyclopedias and that's where you learned about stuff? Do you remember when people would dress like Rod Cuellar for Easter Sunday? Rod, stand up. Those are the days. What's wrong with you people? Can't you bring your best to God? Come on now. Remember that phrase? Remember when that was the phrase? Here's one for you. Do you remember when people who died used to stay in the grave? Paul says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you've received and on which you have taken your stand. For what I received, I pass on as of first importance. Paul wants to say, do you remember what we taught you? Do you remember the gospel that we preached to you? And this is what he says, this is what I received. In other words, this is the language for the tradition. This is the tradition we received. This is what I received and we pass on to you. And by the way, all, the, all your brothers and sisters and fathers in faith for 2,000 years have been receiving and passing on this good news all the way to today. And that's a good tradition. Because what we received from others, we pass on. And he says, and this is what's first. This is what's most important. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried. And on the third day, he rose according to the scriptures. Now what Paul has to remind them of is not Christ's death. That's not what's central here. What is central about what Paul is reminding them of, he says what is first importance, what I really want to pass on to you is that he died and that he was buried and here's the key, here's what's most important, that on the third day he rose again. And we know this is most important for Paul because he spends the most time in this text on that. Because he goes on to say this. He says he appeared to Cephas. Like, we're just not making this stuff up. He really did rise from the grave because he appeared to Cephas. But not only Cephas, he appeared to the twelve. But not only to this group of twelve, he also appeared to about 500 others. Some who are still with us, Paul says, but others who have fallen asleep. And we know this is what is central. We know this is what Paul has received and has passed on. Because if you look in the book of Acts, what's amazing is most of the sermons, they're not about the death of Jesus. The climax of the sermon, what is central to the sermon, what is actually good news when they preach sermons in Acts is that Jesus has risen so Peter says to the Jews in Jerusalem, Acts 2, 22-24, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God 
to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourself know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God, there's that but, but God. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep a hold on Jesus. Then if you turn over in chapter 3 of Acts, he says this to another group of Jews. He says, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate, though Pilate had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we're witnesses of this. Then in Acts 10, Peter goes on. He has another sermon to Cornelius in 10, 39 through 41. He says, we are witnesses of everything that he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen and by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And this is why Paul says he not only appeared to the 12 and the 500, he appeared to James, he appeared to all the apostles. He says, we're not making this up. This is what the good news, we really saw him. He rose from the grave. And last of all, he also appeared to me, Paul says. So Paul's preaching in Antioch in Acts 13, and he says this, Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they carried, all that, uh, carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and they laid him in the tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who traveled with him in Galilee to Jerusalem. They now are witnesses to the people. And then in Athens, he's talking to Greeks in verse 17. He says, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, talking about idolatry. God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he has given proof of this to everyone by raising Jesus from the dead. And Paul says at the very end in chapter 15 and verse 11, he says, whether it is I or they, this is what we preached 
we preach the resurrection of Jesus. And this is what you have believed in the resurrection of Jesus. What is central to the gospel? What is central to what we believe? What is of first importance is this one event that Jesus rose from the grave. When God raised Jesus from the dead, this is why it's central. This is why this is what they preached. Because they believe when God raised Jesus from the dead, everything changed. Do you remember when people used to die and not come out of the grave? Everything's changed. There are certain events that change us. I remember the very first time I saw Kim, my wife. I literally think I went, hello. <laughs> and then probably cheesy, how you doing? Oh, no, yeah, it worked. Rod, you, you think it did work. It worked. When I saw Kim, and you know this probably many of you when you saw your spouse for the first time, or at some point, everything changed. I mean, I remember seeing her, and I didn't say, I, didn't say, I want to marry her, but I remember looking at her and I go, man, and I got to talk to her and meet her, and I, I remember thinking, I want to marry someone like her one day. I didn't think I had much of a shot, so I said someone like her. But she changed me. I mean, I, when Kim and I started dating, I literally neglected all of my friends. I rearranged my schedule. I started doing things that I never really enjoyed, like talking on the phone. Hate talking on the phone. It's amazing how long I could talk to Kim on the phone. So much so that when we started dating the next Christmas, I invited Kim from we were living in Portland, Oregon, and I invited her home to Oklahoma for Christmas. And I later found out that my brother Adam had called my mom and said, Mom, we've got a problem. <laughs> I said, What's the problem? Well, you know, Ben invited Kim home for Christmas. She's like, yeah, what's the problem? Mom, you got to tell Ben he can't invite Kim home for Christmas. My mom was like, why? And my brother says, because it's going to ruin Christmas. <laughs> and what he meant by that was not that Kim herself was going to ruin Christmas. But what he really wanted was his brother back. 
because I, I was in love. I couldn't, I couldn't think about my brother. When I met Kim, it changed me. And eventually Adam changed as well, but he was like, I want my old brother back. But there are some events that just don't change just me. I mean, my meeting Kim didn't change all of you. But there are certain events that change all of us, that change everything. In fact, even if you didn't experience this event, you live in a world that is affected by this event, and you've lived according to this event ever since. Let me put it up on the screen. Many of us lived through this event. And if you didn't, you live in what's called a post-9-11 world. Do you remember when there was a time when you weren't afraid to lock your doors? There's stories about in small towns about before 9-11, people in small towns wouldn't lock their doors. But after 9-11, people started locking their doors. Do you remember when you used to take someone to the airport, you could walk them all the way up to the gate? I mean, you couldn't go down the ramp, but you could almost go down the ramp with them. And that when you came home from a long trip, you didn't have to walk through the airport almost outside to greet your loved one, that you could see them coming down the ramp with the sign. Now they got to wait outside security. Do you remember when, and it was probably mostly kids that would do this, do you remember when you could go and sit in the cockpit with the pilot? He was flying the plane. Do you remember when people that looked like they were from the Middle East, you probably thought they were harmless and you weren't afraid of them? everything changed. There are events that actually change everything. And some of them are good, and some of them aren't so good. But they change things in a way that actually affects the way we behave. In other words, there are events that happen that changes the course of reality, that now demand that you live a different way in order to respond to that event. And Paul says, here's why, here's what's first importance, that Christ rose from the grave. And this event changes everything. And here's what this event says, that in the resurrection of Jesus, at least this one thing it says, in the resurrection of Jesus, God unequivocally said yes to you and I. And not just yes to us as people, but specifically in the resurrection of Jesus from the grave, God said yes to your bodies. 
I love how Meredith said it, that his, his default position, she didn't say it like this, but God's default position to us is yes. And in the resurrection, God's default position, there's no question about it. There is no question about it. When God raises Jesus from the dead, he says yes to your body, and he says yes to my body. In other words, here's what the resurrection means. Your body matters. Because one day, he's going to raise it up. And because this event happened, and it means that your body matters... Here's what else it means. It matters what you do in the body. It matters actually what you do in your body. And so I often tell my students this as a way to say, hey, when we talk about sexual sin, it's not just because it's some rule that we follow is because of the resurrection of Jesus. That in the resurrection of Jesus, God says your body matters. And that's why Paul earlier in 1 Corinthians 6, he can say this. He says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside their body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do, do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Our bodies are not our own. And therefore, it matters what you do in your body. This is why Paul says, remember, I want to remind you, Jesus really rose from the grave. Everything has changed. Your body matters. So it matters what you do in your body. But it's not just your body that matters. That in the resurrection of Jesus, he has overwhelmingly said yes to other bodies as well that are not your body. And so when someone is caught in sexual sin, the resurrection says, we should care about that. We should have compassion. We should love them. Do you know why? Because their body matters to us. We can't say it doesn't matter. No, it matters. Because their body matters, and it should matter to you. Other people's bodies and what happens to them should matter to you. And this is why Paul goes on at the end of Corinthians and says, he talks about offering up gifts and offerings for the Lord's people because when someone's in need, when someone needs food or assistance or is in the hospital, he says, take up collection. Why? Because other bodies matter. And when there are strange bodies among us, maybe bodies, people we don't recognize, 
maybe even bodies that events like 9-11 caused us to fear. The resurrection says those bodies matter too. And so it matters how you treat those bodies. Love actually matters. And so in the resurrection, in the resurrection reality, here's what we can say. This is what a resurrected life looks like. A resurrected life looks like faithfulness that rules over self-indulgence. In the resurrection reality, forgiveness reigns over hate. In the resurrection reality, giving is better than receiving. In the resurrection reality, compassion prevails over indifference. In the resurrection reality, love triumphs over apathy. And in the resurrection reality, resurrection conquers death. Do you remember when the dead remained in their grave? In the resurrection of Christ, that event has changed the world. So now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel the resurrection that I preach to you, which you received and now which you've taken your stand. It's by this resurrection event that you are saved. If you hold to this resurrection reality preached to you, this is the resurrected life. Will you live it?